Well, welcome to the best sermon ever. Now, am I suggesting to you that I'm about to preach the best sermon ever? No, not hardly. But I can show you where to find it. In fact, do you, do you know what, what presidents, uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Harry S. Truman, and, and even more recently, Barack Obama, what they all have in common? A and spiritual leaders like Oswald Chambers, N.T. Wright, and Mahatma Gandhi, and, and even with that, artists and authors like Oliver Wendell Holmes, Mark Twain, Frank Sinatra. Do you, do you know what all of them have in common? Every single one of them referenced and quoted this particular sermon, this best sermon ever. And for you, whether you've ever cracked open a Bible or not, or even been in a church or not, you're likely familiar with and have heard some of this sermon's teachings. Bold statements like, love your enemies, or turn the other cheek, or even better, this, this idea like, you don't have to worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. So these statements, these teachings and more, where do they all come from? Well, they all come from a sermon known as the Sermon on the Mount. A, a sermon from the mouth of Jesus Christ a and really is uncontested as the best sermon ever. You see, the man who, as you think about him, like, the world's largest holiday is celebrated in honor of and even named after this man, Jesus Christ, Christmas, Christmas, and even more, that holiday's celebration of his birth, like that moment in time is literally the defining line of time and history, that all of history is identified as either BC, before Christ, or AD, Anno Domini, the year of our Lord after Jesus Christ, that all of time, it's marked by the impact of this one man, Jesus. And, and there's so much more that we could say about the, the influence of Jesus and, and his teachings that we find in the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, his teachings, they have been the basis for starting hospitals and nonprofits, colleges and universities. In fact, Jesus' teachings, they have completely shaped legal systems around the globe. Listen. As I think about the pain, the struggles, the suffering that we experience both personally in our own worlds and, and really globally around the world and in the face of injustice and food shortages and famine and wars, like I look to what President Harry S. Truman uh, said in quoting the Sermon on the Mount, actually right on the heels of a war, World War II. Uh, he said simply this, he said, I do not believe there is a problem in this country or the world today which could not be settled if approached through the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. So I want to personally invite you. I want to invite you to see how this best sermon ever uh, from none other than Jesus Christ might, you could say, settle the questions, the, the pain points, the problems, uh, as well as even open up all kinds of possibilities and potential for you, not just in the world, but literally in your world. And so let's do this. Let's 
dive into Jesus' most famous teachings uh, in our weekly sermons based on the best sermon ever here at First Christian Church. What have you got to lose? Give Jesus and his teachings from his best sermon ever, give them a shot and see, just maybe, just maybe, if you might discover the very best for your life from the best sermon ever. I was approached by someone right after this ser- or the previous service uh, just saying how glad they were that uh, it wasn't the thought that I was gonna be preaching the best sermon ever, that there was great relief in that. Uh, hey, for you and me both. Uh, well, that is the video that will be shown if uh, you go to that website, but the good news is you've already seen it, so you don't need to necessarily go there. Though if you do, you, you could check out, there's a host of the topics that we'll be covering, and you'll notice that Jesus doesn't shy away from tough topics, and so leaning into Jesus and his best sermon, we're gonna lean into them as well. Uh, but I'd encourage you, now that you already know the website, you don't need to go there. That card that you brought, uh, you don't need it. You can now give it to some Somebody else, uh, you can take a stack of them on your way out and you go set them out at the office or on a community bulletin board or hand them out to a friend or family member, coworker, neighbor with this belief, this trust that the one who came to save us that we talked about at Christmas has also come to show us the best way to live life and he does that in powerful ways in his best sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount. So we are pumped to jump into that starting next weekend. Uh, but one of the things, one of the topics that we will get to in that, uh, that Jesus does talk about in the Sermon on the Mount is how communication with God works on the topic, what we might just call prayer. And what's interesting is what he talks about in that sermon, he talks about how prayer works, And even more interestingly, in some ways, he talks about how prayer doesn't work, how he says that we're not gonna be heard by God because of our many words or our fancy words or anything like that. So we'll look at that uh, in the sermon uh, when that comes as far as a topic. But today what I wanna do is actually zoom in on a specific sermon that is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, excuse me, a specific prayer that's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives us. And this specific prayer is actually recorded both both in the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew. And in the recording in the Gospel of Luke, uh, the situation is with his disciples, and the disciples ask what we might call that classic question, that icebreaker question, like if, if you could ask God just one thing, like what would that one thing be? Well, we have one of those kinds of settings with the disciples in Luke chapter 11. They ask him this question that most has their attention. This is how the interaction goes down. Uh, it says that, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And so this is a setting that the disciples would have seen a number of times, Jesus praying in a certain place, and even at a specific time, uh, which we see recorded throughout the Gospels, which was often very early, first thing in the morning. And so they would have seen seen Jesus do this pray a number of times. And upon observing Jesus pray again, uh, the scripture goes on to say, it says that when he, Jesus, had finished, when he had finished praying, that one of the disciples said to him, Lord, would you teach us to pray? They requested, Lord, teach us to pray. 
And, and what's so interesting to me about this is so often in the Gospels when Jesus uh, is asked a question, uh, sometimes in order just to point out that the wrong question is being asked, he'll just flip it and just ask a question right back at him, just be like, wrong question. Uh, but in this case, he doesn't do that. He actually honors the question with a direct response, really pointing to the fact that this is a good and honorable and noble question that the disciples are asking, to learn and to be taught how to pray. And so Jesus responds with this specific prayer, both in Luke chapter 11, as well as we see uh, the prayer recorded in Matthew chapter six. Uh, and that is the version of the prayer that we actually pray regularly around here. Maybe you've grown up familiar with it, uh, often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, or depending on your tradition, maybe the Our Father. And so this particular prayer is the prayer that Jesus gives to the disciples to the question, the request, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And he says this, that when you pray, this then is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine or yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, while this prayer is certainly a prayer that we can pray verbatim, word for word, as we often do around here, we can also understand it, you could say, as a, a model prayer, a, a template, a way in which to pray, uh, almost like a framework in which we can build out our own prayers on as Jesus has laid it out. And so to assist you in this particular framework, we actually provided for you, uh, hopefully you got it when you walked in, uh, a handout uh, that you can follow along and fill in the blanks. This is my attempt to recognize that many of you stayed up too late, and this will help keep you type A personalities awake uh, by having to fill in the blanks because it drives you nuts if you miss one. For you type B people, sleep well. Um, you know, because you're not worried about it. Uh, but I said, no, re the reason we did this is because actually this is something that we used a little bit more than five years ago uh, in, in a particular message that has been one of those that has kind of come back to us, uh, communicated as something that's been very helpful for people. In fact, just a few weeks ago, we had a gentleman in the life of the church who asked if we would reprint one of these because he had used it every day over the last five years as a tool for him to pray, to pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray. So uh, hopefully this will serve you well in uh, starting starting off our 2023, and with that, we would be thrilled if in years to come you came by and said, hey, this has been so helpful that we need to print you another one. That would be an awesome problem to have, okay? And so with that, as you fill that out, um, know that for me personally, that as I bring this, I'm not just bringing this to you as an idea, but this is something that has been critical for me in my walk with God over the last 15 years. When I started, uh, I started this church 18 years ago, we prayed the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis, but then used this as an opportunity to kind of, again, build out my own prayers, because for me, and I might be the only only one, but I doubt it, that when I go to, you know, to pray, that if, for me, if I just kind of wing it, like, okay, God, like, let's, let's talk, 
that doesn't mesh real well with my ADHD. Like my hang in there time is pretty short uh, if I'm just gonna kind of make it up as I go. And so I found that the way that Jesus taught us to pray provides a great way to kind of keep me dialed into not just praying, but actually praying the way that Jesus taught us to pray, which is ultimately the reason we're doing this, not because it's helpful to me, but because Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. So who's gonna argue with Jesus? That's what we're gonna do here today. So with that, we'll jump in uh, to the prayer he taught us to pray as a model prayer for us that will hopefully serve you well in the days ahead, okay? So with that, the first word or the first movement of the prayer comes this way. It says, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed or holy or praise be to your name. Hallowed be thy name. That really in just a single word, what this first movement in the prayer is, is all about Praise. It's all about praise. That you think about as we gather here corporately, that we, you know, start off our time and how cool, as Lacey said, we're starting off our year with praise to God. There's no better way to do that. That as we would do that corporately, why would we not then do that individually in our individual prayer time by starting our prayer time with praise? Simply put, and this is your first blank, uh, it's all about starting with reverence before requests. Reverence before requests. Uh, Again, this is super important because I don't know about you, but for me, if I do kind of wing prayer or just kind of say what I feel like I'm gonna say, that 99% of the time it's gonna start off with, okay, uh, dear God, please help me with this. Please heal this. Please guide me in that. Which all are appropriate. Uh, Jesus says we can certainly bring our requests to him, but when Jesus teaches us to pray, he says that we wanna start with reverently addressing the one to whom we'll hear our requests, and thus reverence before requests. We start with praise and really thankfulness for who God is and what he's up to already in the world before we even ask him to do anything. And so real practically, the way in which I tend to do this is I will often uh, journal my prayer, like write them out again just to kind of keep me engaged. And I'll just start kind of listing the things I know to be true about God according to his word. And so I'll just thank him for these things. Like, God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy, for your forgiveness, for your providence, for your sovereignty, for your love, for your care, for your leadership in my life, for your wisdom, for your grace. And these kinds of things. And so we can just tell God why we are thankful to him for who he is. Another way we could start off our time is to do exactly what we do here corporately. You could start your time personally with a song of praise. You could uh, you know, sing along with one on you know, whatever device that you listen to music on. You could sing one from memory. Maybe if singing's just not your thing, you can uh, just recite the words and just give attention to those words and lift them up to God as praise from a familiar hymn or praise song. Uh, or perhaps you could just pray a psalm from the Bible, from the book of Psalms, that the book of Psalms in the Bible is really the songbook of the people of the Bible times, that we can use that as a way to praise God uh, with reverence before we step into our prayer requests. And so we begin. Our Heavenly Father, may honor and reverence come to your name before we request anything. But then from there, on that foundation, we do give requests, to which Jesus says we should do that this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so really this is about prayerfully moving away from, again, just me and my ways and what I'm asking, but kind of understanding whatever requests I have to focus on God and God's ways. 
that in every request that we bring, we really are asking ultimately for kingdom ways, for God's ways to be done right here on earth, just as it is already perfectly being done in heaven. And as I think about this movement, this moment in the prayer, for me, it helps me to visualize this very cyclical reality, like that, that as I pray, it's like I can see the motion of what's happening. Like, you know, I'm like lifting up, God, my prayers that your kingdom would come in them, that your will would be done in them right here on earth as it comes down from heaven. Like, it, let it rain down on us. Uh, in fact, that's, uh, for me, has been a helpful illustration. I think about when our kids in their science homework have learned about the the atmospheric water cycle, you know how like evaporation and condensation and precipitation works that as, you know, uh, water evaporates into the Earth's atmosphere, creates clouds, and then it comes back down again in rain. To me, that's a beautiful illustration of how we kind of lift up our on-Earth stuff that has our attention, how God kind of takes it, redeems it, and then sends it back our way. Your will be done right here on Earth just as it is in heaven. And so real practically, what this might look like for you, as it does for me, is this is what we might just call our, our prayer list, like our list of prayers, our list of requests that we can bring to God under this umbrella of his kingdom come. Uh, and so very specifically, I'll pray for things that are going in our world, pray for things going on in our country, our community, pray specifically for my neighborhood, my neighbors, my extended family, uh, my immediate family, as well as any other prayer requests that I've committed to, uh, like in the life of the church or anyone else in my life. You know, when you say, hey, will you pray for me? Um, uh, it all, I, I go and I grab my phone, which often looks really rude because it's like I'm not interested, but that's actually where I keep my list of prayers. In fact, I felt real bad the other morning, a couple weeks ago on a Sunday morning, um, so Someone's like, hey, would you pray for this? Uh, and I'd already been, I said, yeah, I've been praying for you. And I went like this, which was super strange. But that's where my phone was, which was where my list was. And so um, I don't know why I shared that with you. Um, it's not in my notes, but it, it, it's just uh, keeping it real, I guess. So anyway, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven is our opportunity to in whatever request that we have on behalf of others or ourselves to pray rightly about those, to pray that we would have God's will be done in them in this way, okay? It's, it's kind of that, it's like, a, it's like a hallmark of that song that we just sang, like, God, we need you and we need you now, uh, which really goes into the next one, that, this idea that we need God now, it goes on from there. To, we pray for not just the big things that are coming up, but also the things that are happening right here in our day by saying, Lord, give us this day, this day for today, our daily bread. And by that, that idea of daily bread, this is really the idea of God's daily providence. God, I give you the needs that I have in my life for this day, and I both ask for them, and really the context of that prayer is also really a thankfulness, a giving thanks that God does provide for our daily needs. You know, this is where we take Jesus up on his word, where he says a little later, actually, in the Sermon on the Mount, that we are to, it says, he says, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, which means his ways. And when we seek God first, it says that all these things, and he's talking about the details, the bread, the things we need of life, all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about these things. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so this prayer is about seeking very first part of our day, the very first thing, his kingdom, his righteousness, and then trusting that out of the overflow of that, the reality is that he's gonna provide everything we need, the details, our daily bread of the day. 
And so real pragmatically, what that looks like for me is I will pray about the things coming up very specifically over the next uh, you know, several hours. You know, the meetings I have that day, maybe a difficult conversation that has to happen, maybe a project I'm working on. Uh, literally, it's an invitation to weave God into the details every day. There's a terrible phrase that the devil is in the details. No, he's not. God is in the details. He's in the daily bread, the daily providing of what we need. So whatever those details, they're not too big, they're not too small, invite God into that daily reality of your life. Uh, I know, for example, for students next week, the daily realities of schoolwork and tests are gonna be right upon you. You know, homemakers, you have those mountains of laundry that you have to conquer a day. Grandparents, I know there's grandkids that you'll watch that day. There's challenging sales calls that you might have in a particular today, or a pile of paperwork that you have to process process today or a number of mechanical problems that you have to troubleshoot today or teachers here in a few days you're going to have to deal with the like the Christmas post-Christmas chaos of students you have to manage in classrooms over those days that each and every day whatever it is that you face Lord we trust and thank you that you give us daily what it is that we need give us this day and we thank you for it our daily providence our daily bread and with that, as we think about daily bread, daily providence, uh, the next movement in that prayer is arguably the greatest thing that God does actually provide, and that is his forgiveness. As we pray, God, forgive us our debts or our sins or trespasses as we forgive our debtors, uh, those who have sinned against us, those who have trespassed against us. You know, and as I think about it, there are so many things that, you know, zooming out, we could say, hey, the Christian faith is about this and it's about that. But if there is one piece of it that so encompasses what the Christian faith is most powerfully about, it is this reality right here, the reality of forgiveness. That is the gospel, we would say, the good news, the reality that God sent his son, yes, at Christmas, but then to one day die on a good Friday to then rise and conquer the grave for us, the forgiveness of sin and the gift of a new life, uh, which we just celebrated in communion. And I've been doing this long enough that I've taken communion a lot of weeks, but I am not, I, I just refuse to let myself grow numb or used to the reality of what Jesus has done. I am not bored or done with the gospel. It is overwhelming to me that this is how the whole deal works. That is in God's forgiveness, that we are, again, he broke through to make a way to bridge our sin and separation to we have a relationship with him, both in this life and for all of eternity. The gospel just never gets old. Don't let the gospel get old and continue to live in the reality that we are forgiven. And so that forgiveness that you could say saves you initially by God's grace, the grace that saves you initially is that same grace that continually works in your life and continually kind of grows you into his ways through forgiveness. And so. As we understand that, 1 John 1, 9 says that we can do this on a regular basis. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then it is out of the overflow of that reality that we have experienced ultimate forgiveness, that we then are empowered to live a life of forgiveness for others in both the big things and the small things. And so in daily praying this, there's a couple things that can happen. One is if there is like a big thing that is uh, difficult for you to find forgiveness for someone else in or some situation, I've found that this daily prayer can appropriately, as it says in the prophets, you know, replace kind of the hardness of our heart 
with a heart of flesh, that God can work on that and remind us of the forgiveness that we have to give us a power that's not of our own, there's no way in those big things that we can do this without God, but out of his power and the forgiveness that he has given us, we can grow in the ability to forgive others with the reality that forgiven people forgive people. Uh, and so there's a powerful way in which that takes place. But then I would say really just the, the everyday power of this that I've experienced over the last 15 years is actually in the small things. Like just the, the everyday, like just you know, waking up the next day, thinking back on the day before where you know, I know I needed to receive some forgiveness or need to request some forgiveness or extend forgiveness. And just the small things in the everyday life of people, you know, with a spouse or with a coworker or kids you know, with a, a, you know, a teammate or a, a classmate or a you know, brother or sister or parents. It's just in those small things, just daily, just letting those things be forgiven under the grace of God that I found that you kind of build that forgiveness muscle. You, you, it's almost like a, like a spiritual compound interest that builds as you forgive day in and day out. Again, with this through line, this foundational reality of what the Christian faith is. In fact, that's what our blank leans into. It's my, one of my favorite illustrations. It's this idea, I don't know, some of you might have gotten like a new smartphone for Christmas or maybe put some new apps or new games or something. And, and I like to think of forgiveness as it relates to the Christian faith. That forgiveness, you could say, uh, illustratively, is not just like, a little app in the app store. That forgiveness relative to the Christian faith, that it is the OS. It is the operating system on which the whole thing runs. Forgiveness is foundational to everything else we understand as we'll see both in this prayer but also in the reality of the Sermon on the Mount and all the scriptures. It is all about forgiveness, okay? And so then coming out of that forgiveness, uh, we obviously want to, as the scriptures say, repent or change our mind, change our direction about what it is that has gotten us in that place in the first place. And so we pray against situations and temptations that leave us seeking forgiveness in the first place. And so we pray right after that, lead us not into temptation, or you could translate that literally, lead us through temptation, same thing, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil and its temptations. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, it actually speaks very specifically as to the encouragement of how God works in freeing us and leading us through temptations. It says it this way, that we can know that no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, sometimes you feel like you're the only one, but be encouraged you're not the only one. In fact, Jesus, it says in Hebrews, faced every kind of temptation and overcame it. So we have in who our God who came to be with us, one who understands what it's like to live with temptation and overcame it. So we can trust him because he is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way out. He will all, his promise is that he will provide a way out, so you trust him, to, you pray about that to show you that way, so that you can stand up under it. So you can stand up under that temptation. For me, it makes me think of, uh, and maybe you, you watched this, uh, this film over the last month, the uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's part of maybe your, your seasonal tradition. But uh, to me, this makes me think of that scene where you, know, you got this whole movie based on how the Grinch is basically tempted to wipe out all of Whoville. And on this one particular day, uh, he uh, has the sleigh of all the stuff that he's stolen, and it's getting ready to head down the mountain to wipe out Whoville. And it says that day that his heart grew three times that day. And with that, you obviously the strength to be able to literally stand up and lift up that stage, to be able to stand up underneath the sleigh that was otherwise destined to wipe out Whoville. 
And God's word tells us that this is kind of how it works, that it's the Holy Spirit's power that provides a way out so that you can, quote, stand up under the weight of an otherwise crushing temptation. It is God alone. So we lean into him and his strength and his power, not our own, to overcome and to escape those temptations in our life, okay? So that's what we do. We just ask God for that. We just ask him straight up what we know to lead us away from those situations, lead us through those other ones, and not into any ones that we don't have to face this day. And then lastly, the prayer concludes. The prayer concludes what what we would call a, a doxology. A doxology, a closing phrase of praise. It ends the same way it starts, with recognizing who it is we're talking to and all the credit that is due him, which simply is said by this, for thine or yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever, amen. And so these concluding words, they are, they are not just like a, a salutation, a signing off. They are powerful. They are actually practical. It is practical, this idea that the concluding words that you would just kind of be catapult of this power-packed punch into your day to say that, hey, everything I do today, I don't want to be about building my kingdom, that in every opportunity, wherever God has you throughout that day, that you want to be opportunities to build his kingdom. And how are you going to do that? Again, not in your own strength, but by his power. And why do we do any of this? For God's glory, that God gets the credit. It's all about him. And with that, amen. Amen. May it be forever and ever. Amen. Which amen literally means truly or let it be. Let it be. You know, so as we consider, you know, again, this transition week of Christmas into New Year's and over the last several weeks we've been talking about how God broke through, that the Christmas message is a message of God breaking through from heaven to earth, literally, that that was his kingdom come, his will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven in the person of Jesus Christ, that he broke through heaven to get to earth to us, to be with us, and then with that would one day live to die in order to be fully with us, uh, to bridge the gap, to break through our sin and our separation so that we could have a relationship with him both in this life and for all of eternity. That this in Christmas and Good Friday and Easter is what God has done in his son Jesus to be with us. And so in response, as we step into 2023, what are we doing in appropriate response to be with him? What are we doing to be with him on this January 1st of 2023 and all the days that follow. Well, thanks be to God, he gives us the gift, the answer that keeps on giving, and that is prayer, and then he just doesn't leave us hanging. He says, by the way, when you ask, hey, how should I do that? This then is how you should pray. Jesus gives us this model prayer for us to be able to hang our prayers on in our life and our relationship with him. And so as we commit to that or move to doing that, there's a, a phrase, uh, there's actually, I think it's actually a book as well, but it's this idea, it's called uh, write it down, make it happen. Write it down, make it happen, based on this premise that supposedly when we write things like goals and commitments down, that we are 42% more likely to actually make that happen. Uh, and so in that uh, spirit, since you've been writing so much here this morning, hanging with me and staying awake, you'll notice at the uh, the end of that sheet on the second page, there is a spot that says when and where. So I want to encourage you that 
as you write it down, that you would make it happen, that you would write down when and where it is that you're gonna commit to pray the way that God taught us to pray through his son, Jesus. Um, Maybe for you, that is like, I want this to be the way. I wanna get up early. I wanna start my day, or maybe whenever it is you naturally get up, and I want to, very first thing, uh, as soon as I open my eyes, that the first thing I wanna look at is not a screen, but the way that Jesus taught me to pray, and you're gonna do it just right there in your bed. Like, that's the first thing, when and where you're going to pray the way that Jesus taught you to pray. Maybe for some of you, like, like, that's nice, but that's just a little too early. Like, can we just maybe back it up a bit? Like, maybe um, when would be after I pour the coffee and, and where maybe at the kitchen table. So whatever that means for you, you figure that out. The good news is, is you all got time for this because it's scalable. I mean, this can be the 30-second prayer that you meaningfully pray word for word, and from there you can also hang on minutes, hours, whatever, uh, that you have in any given day or an opportunity to Pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray. And with that, I would challenge you to make a 100-day commitment to that. Uh, 100 days takes us actually right up to Easter weekend. And it would be the perfect prayer to pray from the Sermon on the Mount as we as a church work through the Sermon on the Mount, as that's actually what we're gonna be doing together over the next 100 days. It's actually a 13-week series through the Sermon on the Mount, through every bit of it, to just extract all that Jesus has for us. Thanks be to God, in his best sermon ever, no one else would ever be able to do that. So we're looking forward to that, and no better way to accompany that than by praying the way he taught us to pray from that sermon on the mount. So with that, let me pray for us, uh, and, and then maybe even better, Shad, let us pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray appropriately. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. May it be.